Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapters 6 and 7 on the calling of Noah as we study what Noah, God, and the world were doing before the flood occurred. And we hope you're enjoying these tremendous Bible studies, this great expository teaching that we're getting from Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. And we do appreciate your listenership, and we hope that you'll go to our website, friendshipwithgod.org, to take advantage of some of our free resources or to go to our bookstore that's there. But we also want to make an invitation to you for 2015 to become one of our monthly supporters of Friendship with God so we can continue broadcasting on this station in your city, as well as providing the messages for free for you, the listener, on iTunes.com, SermonAudio.com, and also on our main website, FriendshipWithGod.org. All there for free listening and free download. But it's there with your support, and we need you to become a monthly supporter if you can. You can call us at 800 247 3051, and we can set you up for that. That's 800-247-3051, and that'll help continue Friendship with God airing on this station in your city and also available by podcast and MP3 download. Again, it's 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051 to support Friendship with God this year in 2015 with a monthly donation of any amount. Or you can donate one time online at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God. Father, thank you so much for calling us. Calling us, Lord, to come together this morning to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, to study a word, to open our hearts, to open your Bible, and by your Spirit, Lord, that you would teach us. And so we come to you for this morning, Lord, and ask that you would teach us now as we present ourselves to you, Lord, students ready to learn in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, please follow along here, Genesis chapter 6, and I'm going to start reading in chapter 6, verse 9, and I'm going to read through to chapter 7, verse 9. These are the generations, or the family history of Noah. Noah was a just man, and perfect, or wholehearted, in his generations. And Noah walked with God, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt and filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come, or is coming up, uh, before me, or to my face. For the earth is filled with violence through them, or before them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms, or nests, shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window, or a skylight, shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower and second and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood, or an overflowing, of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherever is the breath of life under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die, or expire." But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' 
wives with thee, and of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, of cattle after their kind, of creeping thing of the earth after his kind too. Of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee. And it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast shalt thou take to thee by sevens, the male and the female, of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female, of fowls also the air by sevens, the male and female, keep their seed alive upon the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from the face of the earth. And Noah did according to all the Lord commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with them into the ark because of the waters of the flood of clean beasts and beasts that are not clean of fowls and of everything that creepeth upon the earth. There went in two and two, or by pairs. Unto Noah, unto the ark, the male and the female, as God, Elohim, had commanded Noah. Now, in our last study, what we did is we saw this amazing statement as we were looking here in Genesis 6, and we saw there in verse 6 where it says, It grieved God in his heart. And we asked the question, what kind of a God is that? Who can be grieved in his heart, who can have grief, heart grief, or really feel it deeply in a grief way down into his heart. We looked at that last time, and we saw that that was the grief that drove the Lord Jesus Christ, Jehovah Jesus, to the cross, where he became man and died for our sins at the cross. Now, today we start in verse 9 here, a new section. And you could call this section the calling of Noah. This is where God calls Noah. And as we come here, we're looking here that this section, and have you seen that it goes all the way through to chapter 7, verse 9. This is the time before the flood. This is the time before the great flood happened. And our goal this morning, what we want to do, is to try to drop ourselves down into the middle of this whole critical time in world history. We want to be right down in there. So in order to position ourselves and to see what was really going on in the earth at that time, we have three questions that we want to look at. The first question is, what was the world doing before the flood? That's the first question. What was the world doing before the flood? Now, the second question is going to be, what was God doing before the flood? And then the third question is, what was Noah doing before the flood? So once we look at this and we get the full picture of that, then we'll have a very clear understanding of exactly what the conditions were like, what was going on in the world before this time that was so critical in world history because it brought on the flood. Now, we ask the question, what was the world doing before the flood? Well, if you and I could put ourselves right in the middle of the world and we would ask that question, what would we see? Well, we would see verse 11. Verse 11 tells us what the world was doing before the flood. Because verse 11 says, the earth also was corrupt 
before God and was filled with violence. So there's two parts to that verse. Don't put them together. Keep them separate. The first part says the world or the earth was corrupt before God. That word corrupt has the meaning of being depressed. The world was sinking down. It was going downward. It was dropping down. So it's really referring to here a new deep depression in the world, a new sinking down. Not physically. We're not talking about that. We're talking about this morally, morally. This was not the world that God had created in the Garden of Eden. This was not the place that God had intended the world to be of peace and harmony and God-centeredness and God-honoring. That wasn't the place. The world had sunken down from the place that God had intended for it. God had put everything in place, as we saw before in Genesis 1 and 2, so that the world could be a good place. And the world had sunken down from that to a new low. Morality was at a new all-time low. I want to talk about the second part of this first, because the first part we're talking about those corrupt before God, and that's speaking about the morality. Corruption has to do with morality, and that is before God. Violence is behavioral, or however you say that word. It's how people behave, and that is before men. So there's two different parts to that. So here what we're talking about is a new morality, a new low. As far as the world was concerned, this was a morality that they looked at with relation to man, not relation to God, and they said it's not hurting anyone. It's not hurting anyone. Again, I'm not talking about the violence, the second part here. Look, this morality, as far as we're concerned, is interesting. It's fun. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. It's pleasurable. And people at that time might just as well have said, we got a new day, we're modern, we have a new morality, and we have a new code of ethics. And our code of ethics is, if it doesn't hurt anyone, then what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it anyway if it doesn't hurt anyone? So what was the world doing at that time? The world was just having a good time. It was a party time. And the world was basically saying, who says that sex outside of marriage is wrong? That's exciting. It doesn't hurt anyone. The world says, who says adultery is wrong? It's thrilling. It's adventuresome. It doesn't hurt anyone. Who says wife swapping is wrong? It's interesting. It doesn't hurt anyone. Who says pornography is wrong? It's pleasurable. It doesn't hurt anyone. Who says pedophilia is wrong? It's what people want. It doesn't hurt anyone. Who says homosexuality is wrong? It's gay. It doesn't hurt anyone. See, all of these sins fall into the category of moral sins. And that's the part we're speaking of here in terms of corruption. The world before the flood had sunken down to this new moral low, this new corruption. And all this immorality was justified with the one question, what's wrong with it if it doesn't hurt anyone? That's the question. That question is actually answered in two words in verse 11. 
And those two words are the two words that come after the word corrupt. And you can see them there. The earth also was corrupt before God. It was corrupt before God. Literally, that word, the way it reads there, it says it was corrupt in the face of God. It was in God's face. Who says fornication, adultery, wife swapping, pornography, pedophilia, homosexuality are wrong? God says it's wrong. God does. And so because all of these sins are in the face of God, it grieves him at his heart. It makes him sorry he made man in the first place. So first thing the world was doing was corrupting its way on the earth. Morally corrupting its way in the face of God. And man at that time was not even aware that there was any problem. Wasn't even aware that there was any problem. This moral corruption was in such a way that they were clueless that there was any problem. There's no problem at all. You know, there's very interesting about this generation, if we can call it that, before the flood, the last generation before the flood. And turn, if you would, to Matthew 24, verses 37 and 39. Matthew 24. Because there's two words, and I want you to hunt for these words. Two words that describe this generation. See if we can get it. All right, so Matthew 24, verse 37 to 39. It says, The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking about the end, And he's drawing the analogy with this generation that we're studying about here in Genesis 6 and 7. And he says this, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the flood, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Here you can see the picture. They're really enjoying themselves, eating and drinking and marrying. This one is giving in marriage, and this one's giving and marrying that one. A party generation, and you really have the sense with the marrying and giving marriage. This is a sensual, lustful, sexual-oriented society. Now, what are the two words? What word, two words do you think best describes that generation? It's found in verse 39. Two words. This was the new not generation. This was the generation that was totally unaware. They did not care. They did not know. They did not care to know that they were on the brink of judgment. And they were totally not aware of what was going on. They were totally not aware that judgment was right around the corner for them. And those two words were very, very important. They knew not. They were totally oblivious to the danger that that was before them. They were absolutely clueless as to the fact that they were walking right down the middle of the road of their own destruction. Now, that's very similar to another two words we can insert, different words. But if you consider the rich man who lifted up his eyes in hell, and that's found in Luke 16, 20. And it says there that there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, 
And seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God in just a moment. We'd like to encourage you to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. It's available for free, signing up with your email by going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program. You can also call us now or after the program with your support and donation at 800 247 3051-800-247-3051. It'll help us to continue airing on this station in your city. You can also call us for a free gift for a lost Jewish friend that you know that needs to be reached with the gospel. Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries will give you a free gift to reach your lost Jewish friend, and that's made available by your donations and your support, but we'll provide that free if you have a lost Jewish friend that needs to be reached with the gospel. Call us at 800-247-3051. The earth also was corrupt before God. And our code of ethics is, if it doesn't hurt anyone, then what's wrong with it? They were totally not aware that judgment was right around the corner for them. You remember that part in Daniel 12, where Daniel is explaining to the children of Israel that everybody is going to wake up after you die. And he says, many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth, Daniel 12 too, in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt, contempt of God. Some to everlasting life, some to everlasting shame. Again, we could put the two words in there in shock. Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some in shock to shame and everlasting contempt. Why? Because the world before the flood was the new not generation. They were the ones who would be in shock to find themselves in hell. The flood caught them by surprise. They didn't expect it. They were astonished. They were stunned. They were astounded. This can't be happening. Why? Because they knew not. Now, we have to ask the question, how come they knew not? So turn, if you would, to 2 Peter 3, verse 5 through 10. Very important passage here in 2 Peter 3, verse 5. And because it gives us insight as to what's going on. Why did this world know not? Why are they shocked? Okay. So 2 Peter 3, 5 says this. And as I read this passage here, I want you to think just how much this passage is referring to this time period of the world before the flood. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now, so keep in mind that was the past, now we're talking now, by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. 
The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements, by the way, the great noise, there's the real Big Bang, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. See, this generation, this new not generation, was a new not generation because they made themselves what's called here willfully ignorant. That's a process. That's not something you drift into. That's something you have to work toward. You have the willful ignorance here. Now, they were willfully ignorant of what? That's the question. What were they willfully ignorant of? What does the text tell us in 2 Peter 3 here where we are that they were willfully ignorant of? They were willfully ignorant of five words that's given to us there. And those five words are, by the word of God. That's what they were willfully ignorant of. They had been told that, but they said no. By the word of God. When it came to the matter of origins, when it came to the question of, where did the heavens come from? The skies, the stars, where did they all come from? Where did all those stars come from? How did they get there? How is it that the earth is dry land, but it's standing out of the water, but it's surrounded by oceans? It seems to be in the middle of the oceans. How did that dry land come, see? Instead of believing what they've been told, that the heavens were by the word of God, and that the stars were by the word of God, he spoke them into existence, and that the dry land was standing out of the water and in the water by the word of God. Remember, let dry land appear, God said. Instead of believing what they were told, they saw all of that not as creation, but they said anything but anything. Oh, look, this fellow over here, he says that at one time it was that nothing exploded and that we have the universe. A big bang happened and, we had, and everything came from that. Okay, we'll accept that. Anything but by the word of God. See? So by rejecting the truth of by the word of God, which is creation, they made themselves willfully ignorant. Why? When they removed the truth of by the word of God, the creation, from their reality, when they removed God from their reality, when they removed the judgment by God from their reality, they became willfully ignorant. And they became the new not generation. This is just one problem, one minor problem. And that problem was their reality was not reality. So the words new not and willfully ignorant expressed that they had their own reality. They had their own reality. Their reality was there is no hell. The only problem was their reality, that there is no hell, is not reality. Their reality was that when you are dead, you are dead. only problem was their reality, that when you're dead, you're dead, is not reality. Their reality was if you can get away with anything, you walk free. Okay? The only problem was that the reality that you don't have to give an account to God is not reality. 
interesting. Their reality was that when you close your eyes in death, they will never open again. Wonderful expository teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. You can do so at friendshipwithgod.org. If you're enjoying the Friendship with God radio program, we'd like you to support this Old Testament teaching radio Bible teaching program. And you can do so by calling us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Now, Tom Cantor uh, teaches so well the Old Testament. He's just a master teacher of the Old Testament, the life of Abraham. We've been studying lately in the book of Genesis, chapter 23, and the Jewish people started with Abraham. Uh, Tom Cantor himself, our Bible teacher, is a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he wants you and others to reach the lost Jewish people of this nation and this world. Now, to do so, he's established Israel Restoration Ministries. He's the founder of this Jewish Evangelism Outreach Ministry. We have full-time missionaries, part-time missionaries, and volunteers like you that help us in reaching the lost Jewish people in our cities and our neighborhoods. If you'd like to support Jewish evangelism or get Jewish evangelism materials to give to lost Jewish people that you know for free, you can call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800 800- 247-3051. You can also go online to israelrestoration.org. That's israelrestoration.org for free Jewish evangelism materials and information on how you can reach lost Jewish people, including how to receive the Jewish Messiah as your Savior. Find that plan of salvation online at israelrestoration.org or call us at 800 247 3051 800 247 3051